Father God, we thank you so much for your word. I'm asking the usual word to say this. Ask please. And we do not squirm away from it, God, that we hold on to it, put it in our heart, hold it tight, and change by it. God, we ask please to open our eyes to the wondrous things of your word. Love you, God. We pour ourselves into your word, and we only can ask you to pour your word into us, God. We are destined for your spirit, because otherwise it's just a bunch of information, God. We know that your word has so much more for us than that. So be with us, please. Teach us the things that we ought to know to change our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. So as, as always, over the book, I'm going to be discussing information that I heard from Chuck Smith and, and a couple other places, just to give you a little background. But I want you to know why it's so appropriate to be studying the book of Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah was written, as you're about to find out, right before the fall of the nation of Israel. Right before Babylon took them captive. The nation was enjoying prosperity like never before. All the prophets said, peace and safety, don't worry, nothing to worry about. We're too strong, nothing can touch us. And then all of a sudden, boom, bottom fall out. I more than suggest our nation is right for the picking, much the same way. There's a reason you don't read about us in the book of Revelation. Some think it's because of the rapture. Some think it's because of the fall. But listen to this. The book of Jeremiah was written by the prophet Jeremiah around the time of the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians. 586 BC. So because we go back there when it comes to BC, it's just about 600 years before the birth of Christ. Right? Jeremiah was from a family of priests. His father may have well been the high priest at the time. Jeremiah was called by God as a prophet from even before his birth. He lived and prophesied all during the time when Judah was falling to Babylon. He saw Babylon take the elite citizens of Judah captive. Peter, Daniel, and his friends. So you, see, you see this also as a contemporary of Daniel. Daniel was just a young boy. When all of Babylon happened, Daniel, or otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken, and then Daniel takes over soon thereafter. A little interesting. See, when you're reading the Bible, you kind of want to put together these things. One thing I would struggle with is the, is the chronology of it. But who talked then? And who, these, these, you got to remember, this is so difficult to understand because most books you read are in this chronological order. The Bible is not in chronological order. Although Genesis is the beginning and Revelation is the end, the books in between are kind of jumbled up in, in, in um, chronology, so to speak. David um, the then saw the next wave of captivity and finally witnessed the destruction of the temple, ransacking of the city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah was one of those people who wasn't even deemed worthy of capture. Jeremiah has often been called the weeping prophet because his prophecies are so accompanied by his warning and distraught sense of hopelessness. But it isn't just that he was of a melancholy temperament. This is one of the darkest periods in the history of the nation. And the bad news he had to, del he had to deliver was enough to make anyone cry. The people had continuously rejected God. The northern tribes had been carried into captivity. Does anybody remember what the northern ten tribes were called? Israel. The bottom two tribes, the southern tribe, called Judah. So you've got the nation of Israel, which was split to the northern tribes, still called Israel, and the bottom tribes called 
suffering the horrible consequences of their sins, and now the same thing was happening in Judah. And despite all the warnings, the people were still not responding with repentance. Their idolatrous rebellion was just getting worse. And as this broke the heart of God, it also broke the heart of the prophet Jeremiah. The compassion and sensitivity of Jeremiah gives us a unique picture into what God must feel when he is rejected after doing everything he can do to save the people he loves so much. Jeremiah was much more expressive than any other prophet. He was transparent and vulnerable. Most of the other prophets communicated their message without a lot of sharing about who they really were or how they felt. Jeremiah gave us much more biographical data concerning himself than any of the other prophets, and his humanity came through loud and clear. We see an honest man who is devastated by what was happening and by what would happen to God's people while still faithfully delivering the message from the Lord. And through this, we also see God's faithfulness. The people had rejected God, and God continued to speak. He continued to call the people to repentance. He still wanted them back. He still loved them. And he had a plan for their lives. That one day would come to pass. It hurts to see all the tragedies that came about because of sin. And yet God still is faithful. And his love will not be derailed by man's failure. That's from Pastor Chuck. I also want to read you just a little bit of background. Jeremiah was born in Anathoth just three miles northeast of Jerusalem, in the hill country of Benjamin. His father was Hilkiah. Jeremiah's ministry extended from 626 to 586 B.C., making him a contemporary of Zephaniah, Ezekiel, and Habakkuk. So at the same time, Jeremiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel, the nation of the nation, the nation of Israel and the tribe of Judah. So you also have Ezekiel writing his visions, Habakkuk writing his visions, and Zephaniah writing his prophecies. The prophet writing ministry began in the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign, 605 B.C. Though portions of the book may have been written earlier, the book was completed sometime after the fall of Jerusalem, which was 756 B.C. Jeremiah's ministry covered a very critical time in the history of the ancient Middle East, when Josiah, the king of Judah, died at the hands of the Egyptian army. Anybody remember what happened? Josiah, this young kid, becomes king at a very young age. He calls some of the people, uh, some of his scribes, to read the scrolls. He, he hears them reading the scrolls, and he tears his robes. He goes, he goes, what? What have we been doing all these years? He, he, he was the first good king in Judah. He was the first one to, to enact real change. But what happens in, in, in Josiah, as a matter of fact, you guys don't know my testimony, when I was um, in 1997, 1998, when I was away, I, for the first time, I read all about King Josiah. And the night when I read, when I read about him, God gave me a vision uh, while I was sleeping that I would have a son and I was going to name him Josiah. In case you don't know, my son is not 24, he's named Josiah. Josiah goes into a battle, wanting to change. No, everybody's going to do this. Everybody's going to do this. And the prophet came to him and said, hey, listen, don't do this. No, I will not have a nation with that's not following God. And and that is such a New Testament principle because our job is to love the unlovable. Ready? Our job is to be doctors, not cops. Don't want It's easy to pick out people's sins. It's easy to pick out your own sin. But to love them while they're sinning. 
to love them and to be loved over warriors, and that's the hard part. So he goes into this battle and he fights against the Egyptians, and some guy just shoots an arrow straight up in the air. Boom, comes out to him, right between the arm. And that's how Josiah dies in battle, a battle not of battle of his choosing, not of God's choosing. So Judah became subject to Egypt and its ruler, Pharaoh Necho. The people of Judah chose Jehoaz to succeed Josiah. However, three months later, Necho appointed Jehoiakim, or otherwise known as Eliakim, to rule as his vassal on the throne of Jerusalem. Having lost their freedom, the people of Judah turned not to God, but to the idols they had worshipped in the days of Manasseh and Ammon. This idolatry was the reason for Jeremiah's proclamation of God's judgment. Now, in case you're wondering, I'm not just reading a historical biblical fact, I'm also reading a historical history. These things that we're talking about, uh, the King Necho and, and Karmekesh, all these things that we're talking about, they are actually the history of the nation of the Middle East, of Egypt, of Iraq, and on all of which back then was Babylon. So, in 605 BC, it is a name you're going to remember, Nebuchadnezzar defeated Pharaoh Necho and Carchemish, and Jehoiakim immediately submitted to the Babylonian king, who permitted him to remain on the throne as a vassal three years later. You guys don't know what a vassal is? So what happens is, um, Babylon conquers uh, Judah, and he takes the king, and he takes his captive. And he goes, you know what? We'll put our own king in there, and he'll do what we want to do. So although he's the king, he's really not. He's a vassal. He does what Nebuchadnezzar tells him to. Otherwise, that's a vassal. Jehoiakim rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar and was deposed. In, um, you find that in 2 Kings 24. Jehoiakim replaced, I'm sorry, Jehoiakim replaced Jehoiakim on the throne for a short time, but he was then exiled to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. Thousands of political and religious leaders were carried to Babylon with Jehoiachin in 597. That's also from 2 Kings 24. Nebuchadnezzar made Jehoiakim's brother, Zedekiah, the new ruler in Judah. In 589 BC, Zedekiah led a rebellion against Babylon, and, Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar's reprisal was swift. His army entered Judah and destroyed all resisting fortified settlements. Nebuchadnezzar's army turned aside from besieging Jerusalem and Egyptian. When the Egyptian army appeared in southwest Palestine in the summer of 588 BC, but the Egyptians soon withdrew. Nebuchadnezzar resumed his siege. Several times during the siege of Jerusalem, Zedekiah came to Jeremiah for counsel from the Lord. The prophet advised him to surrender, but Zedekiah would not listen. So you're going to see as we're reading through the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah keeps telling him, listen, surrender. Your fight is not for God. Same way Josiah got it. You're going to die, only worse. You understand? You're going to see this thing. And other prophets kept saying, no, peace and safety, everything's okay. Guys, just for modern times, this is what's happening right now in Ukraine. Listen to me. The Ukrainians have this much chance of taking Russia out. But you get all these people on the news that tell five, five, we're behind you, we're Render, follow the terms, but they can't win this battle. But 
cannot make sense of God. Keep that in mind. We pray for the people of Ukraine because the, the, the people, the human beings, there's pockets of Christianity in Ukraine. Make no mistake about it, the government of Ukraine is a tyranny. And this President Zelensky, he, he puts his political captives, his political rivals in jail. This is not what media or politicians tell you. They are not a, a, a democracy. Not even close. Anyway, Jerusalem's walls were breached in the fourth month of 586 BC. One month later, the temple was burned, along with palaces, houses, and other administrative buildings. An additional 4,600 Jerusalemites were deported to Babylon. Gedalahai was appointed governor of Judah at Ribla. Jeremiah, who was imprisoned by Zedekiah, was released and sent to serve under Gedalahai. Gedaliah was assassinated, and his supporters fled to Egypt, fearful of Nebuchadnezzar's revenge. Jeremiah went with them to Egypt against his will, and they would continue to confront the Jews for their idolatry and unfaithfulness. Some of the some of some of the book of Jeremiah is poetry and prose. Um, a lot of his prayers. Jeremiah's prayers and confessions were meant in dialogue to deal with death. Understanding of the time. Okay. Yeah, all that stuff is Very, very dark times they were. But there's so many lessons, and this is one of the things that you're going to see. Whereas opposed to studying the book of, uh, of Proverbs, when we study this, we're not going to see the immediate results of wisdom that comes through. But what you're going to do now is you're going to see the magnifying glass of God's love upon your heart. And as you start to read this, which basically is a book, you're going to see some of us for the first time even through things that weren't written. But it's so easy to read properly. So, ah, that was for me. Because it said this, and that's what I really need to change. But as we study the book of Jeremiah, you're going to get such amazing such things that are burning your heart, such things that prophesy your life, you're going to know that this is exactly what God wants to do, just like I know. And this is what God has to do. So, with that all in mind, as an introduction, we're going to cover only one chapter tonight. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. You guys, if you don't know, Nation of Israel was the land of Canaan given by God. And then, if you remember, the spies went down and only two of them came back and gave a good report, but they went and took the land. So keep this in mind. God gave Israel, I'm, 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 I'm going to scale, an area that considered this big. Do you know how much of it they actually took possession of? About that much, though. Just a little tiny smidge. God has so much better prepared for them, and the application for us is as we live on such meetings that James actually said, you have not asked. You ask for the wrong reason, and you spend it on your lusts. The Bible says that you need to to your past and not God has so much for us. Benjamin was a little tiny area, and God stood up. 12 tribes and they said, okay, you guys can take this side on this side of the Jordan, you guys can have this side on that side of the Jordan, you 
guys go here and take this. Jeremiah's from a small little tribe called Benjamin, a little tiny town, and all of a sudden God spoke to him. What a great application is for us. He can use a little tiny town, a little state, stuck on the map. You know, I so struggle. We are so Americanized, we're so world, we're so first worldized. We think we're, we're prosperous, we're happy, we're settled because God loves us. Do you think God loves any less people right now in the Ukraine that are not? The pockets of Christianity and the churches that are in. Do you think God loves any less because He's letting them go through what they can do? Listen, I saw it written this way take a circle. Put a dot. Christianity is the dot that is inside the circle. The circle is you. Where Muslim or Islam, the same circle with the dot inside, except this time the circle is Islam and the dot is the people. Christianity is within us. It's a power that God gives us. To live a life wherever and whatever we are. And more often than not, God doesn't change the circumstances of where we are and what we're doing. He promises to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. And because we are here and we are blessed, and some of us own houses and nice cars, we think, well, that's the, the, the showing of God's love. It's not. God doesn't love people who are going through war and not getting focused to the reason and blessed. Shows up just as much in your life. We think about how far away that is from us, and yet here some of us struggle with anxiety and worry and fear. Am I going to have another meal? These poor people, they worry about bombs blow their kids to smithereens. And God is not a happy job. And I struggle with that. But I, I understand. You go to the bank, you can't withdraw the money. 
I have a friend of mine from Nicaragua. He said about 30 years ago, Nicaragua went from a democracy to a socialist country. He said he comes from a very wealthy family. He woke up one day, the government took their bank accounts, and 90% of their money. They just took it. I want you to wrap your head around this. God love us in the last paragraph. Just keep remembering. The circle is you. God's on the inside. The circle isn't Islam or Buddhism. Like these whole nations are built around their religions. Ours isn't. Our life is a temple of the Holy Spirit. No matter what we go through. So bad to think it's so bad to think we have a health problem. God doesn't love us. Well, here's what happened. I did this and now I'm being punished. Not the case, guys. You accept Christ as your Savior. God can't be any more happy with you than his. You make bad choices with your life. God's not mad at you. You, you put your finger on a mousetrap. Don't blame God. God will help heal your finger. He will. You even probably pull a trap up so you can get it out. But he ain't gonna stop it from hitting your finger. Well, if I want to get pregnant, he should have. But now it's God's fault. This is not, this is, this is why I mentioned that. Verse 2, Roman right now. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. He came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I have been to your prophet. I used to be pro-choice. I believed it was a woman's choice to choose. As a matter of fact, I believed it was a better choice. I believed it was better for a kid not to be born into this filthy, disgusting world than to be born suffering. Because I did not understand this God was suffering. So in my ignorance, I born for my own children, I born for others to and that made me stay far away from God for many, many years. I knew deep down in my heart, even though I believed I was pro choice, deep down in my heart was bad. And as I became a Christian and started to understand this, the deeper my relationship with God grew, and the more that I started reading, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I Never seen that movie happen to you. Is it just It's a really cool scene of the little boys telling his dad, like this little kid, three, four years old, and this dumb dad, when he died, he went to heaven, 
that I've been having. But what are you talking about? Yeah, it's the girl I'm having. Okay, it's, it's, they're using mommy's tummy and it never came out. Apparently, this, this, this couple had miscarriage. And when this kid, I mean, discussed the final point of dogmatic belief of pre existence or anything like that, but if you gotta watch that movie because it's really it's the backing in that movie is phenomenal, better than most official movies. And this kid does such an amazing job, but they're, they're blown away because it's a true it's a true story by the way, and it's not. And you may not have watched that film. No Once I settled in the flat that I think I got Okay, the first thing I checked I'm really sorry about that was for this. That's a party. Think about that. How? How popular is that going to be? And I hope it's really good because there's a lot of kids there. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. We often say, you think you love your kid? God loves your kid more. There's a baby that grows inside my daughter's womb right now. Name is Everly. Everly? Are we changing? What was that other one? Noah. I love it. We all like Noah still. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm bothering you. First time you were a couple years later, okay? I oh, excuse you. me. Just keep going. Yeah. You were bothering John. I just love you. I just I don't want to leave you first. Don't stop. Don't stop. I know this is We have a saying in the Indian family, your first child, second child, third child, yeah, two more. Because we got a lot of kids. Sometimes you get to meet with one all the same time. Sometimes it's good to be there. I love these verses. I don't want to leave 
Then I said, verse 6, Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. So he has this conversation. Jeremiah, some would say he's 13, 14, 15, and they say to him, God says to him, Before you were born, as a matter of fact, before I formed you in the mother womb, Last year. When does life actually begin? In God? Is there a word for this? Infinity? God knew every single person who was ever going to be born. God knew every egg that was ever going to meet his sperm. God knew every baby that was ever going to be formed in the womb before. Mind blowing. Stop. Dirty beyond me. Can't, can't handle it anymore. Shut down. Start to break apart. Jeremiah says to the Lord, I love you faster than this kid. Because you got these kids that are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. And society has told them what they should be. But won't let them. Now, if you want to be gay, if you want to change your, your sex, or you want to do any of those things, absolutely will help you do it. But if you want to be a Christian, no, not allowed. You won't have that. We'll have none of that. Look what God's response is. Do not say I believe. You shall go to all whom I send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Love not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Who is this for here? You don't have to answer that. He told you too young, shut up, sit down, stop. Afraid of their faces. Go with who God sent you. Don't be with you. Don't be with you. Is that a rainbow word for somebody here? Somebody old or somebody young? Somebody. Not so young, or not so old. Be afraid of their faces. For I am with you, deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day, I'm sorry, see, I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and down to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Take again to make attention. He said, We're about to see the first visions that Jeremiah was given, and the interpretation thereof on these are obvious, but some are not so obvious, and they're intended to do that. A lot of times you'll see prophecies or visions in the Bible that are dual or triad. The Lord Jesus spoke about the de abomination of desolation when Antiochus um, Epiphanes went into the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar in the Jewish temple. That was what's called the abomination of desolation. However, he also uses that prophecy to say that the Antichrist himself will do the same thing when they rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. 
He'll get a seven-year treaty, and halfway through it, you'll have prophet, the antichrist, and the dragon. The dragon is the devil. The prophet will be this mouthpiece of the antichrist, and the antichrist will be this political figure. He will proclaim himself to be God, and he will go into the temple, and he will sacrifice his faith, and he will proclaim that the worship is with me. This isn't a little weird, a little spooky. I don't know what is that. But nonetheless, this is what we're reading. This is in the Bible. <clears throat> so Jeremiah tells him, I'm going to use you in this nation, in these lands, to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down. And to build a new life. We're going to see some crazy stuff that Jeremiah goes through and what he does. I mean, I want you to just think about for a second what goes on in the book of Daniel. Remember the book of Daniel? Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He's in, he's in the, uh, he grows hair like feathers and he becomes an ant. All these things Jeremiah is going to have a part in predicting. And now the nation of Babylon rises and falls and Cool stuff, if, if you're into such things like this. He said to Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. You guys know something interesting about an almond tree. It, it, it blossoms when nothing else does. You can have a completely desolate landscape, and yet the olive tree will blossom. And olive trees don't just blossom. I'm sorry. Almond trees don't just blossom blossom with the almond, they blossom with literally blossoms. There's these cool flowers. Anybody here have like a, a garden of uh, herbs or vegetables or anything? Okay, let me explain something to you happens with vegetables. When you have like, I'm growing a bunch of different kinds of, of um, I, I went online and I went to Amazon and I bought all different kinds of um, peppers. And they send you like 20 different kinds of pepper um, seeds. And I started planting now I'm getting this beautiful harvest come up. But you know what comes up before the pepper comes out? A little blossom. You get this little flower. Oh man, my 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 my, my uh, trees, my, my little bush there is flowering. What does that mean? Well, right at the flower, right from underneath the flower, the pepper starts coming up. So it's like the flowers around the pepper, and the pepper grows in the flower. And all of a sudden, one day it just goes, and the flower comes, falls off on the ground, and then you got this beautiful little pepper. Matter of fact, last night my wife gave this amazing stuff to pepper. With all the peppers that we have, green beans and beans and peas and peppers, and we have jalapenos and, and uh, chili pepper and little, uh, that this little uh, pie pepper. As a matter of fact, we have a pepper plant. You too? This, this man right there? He comes in my garden and he just starts putting peppers in his mouth. He sits there, breathing oh, fire like a cartoon. Oh, that one's horrible. And he just gets attention. He's not okay. <laughs> so, this almond tree that's blossoming, the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I'm ready. Form my word. 
out of nothing came an almond tree. The nation of Israel was an, was an olive tree. But out of nowhere, when everybody was saying peace and safety, this almond tree budded. And he said to Jeremiah, I'm about to perform my word. This almond tree is going to take over everything. Anybody want to take a guess what the almond tree was? Some say Babylon. Babylon. The almond tree is Babylon. And then he said, The word of the Lord came to me a second time and said, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north. He sees a pot boiling and it's facing away from the north. Now, although Jerusalem, this is interesting, isn't north of Babylon, in order to get to Babylon, you have to go around it and back up northward. Very interesting, Brandon. You look at the history of that and how Babylon eventually attacked them, how they didn't have to come from there, but because the boiling pot was to be facing north, that's exactly what they did. Just an interesting little thing. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, Calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall each come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls and all, all around, and against all the cities of Judah. Guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of hand. We're on time. We're almost finished. There's a time of what they build what's called a siege mound. Does anybody hear that term siege mound? So they literally build around the city. The city had walls. All of their troops around it and they build a siege mound. So that they can't shoot up the guy even they can see to this mound. You know what they do? For behold, I have made you this day 
fortified city and an iron pillar, and bronze walls around the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord. This is what they call the deep breath for the front. This is amazing. What we just read in chapter 1 is the big racking of the chamber. Jeremiah is a hands man. Call him the weeping prophet because he bears his soul. Also called make a change in his life. Unlike any other time, guys, in this crazy world. You know, just a few years ago, the whole Says that you cannot teach children 
from kindergarten to third grade. That's it. From kindergarten to third grade regarding gender preference or sexual preference. Do you know how far they are this you see? They are screaming at it. They're calling it don't say gay. This is the, the thing. You'll see it all of this time. Don't say gay. And he sat there, this governor, he says, look at this, 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 this um, reporter, this journalist, said, you know, your critics are saying, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. My critics are saying, tell me, is there anywhere in that law that says not to say gay? Well, your critics, I'm not asking your critics. He said, this is why people don't trust you. You're liars. You changed the narrative. You're false. Because I don't want them to teach kids about sex in school. That is the parents' job and the parents' prerogative. And I'm only talking to a third grade. What is that? Eight? We used to go to the city when I was growing up. I mean, you have to get pride. I don't know if you've ever been to a gay pride parade, but Manhattan first. Years they have gay pride parades, and you go there, and, and men are walking arm in arm with men, and women are walking arm in arm with women. But they're not just walking arm in arm; they're wearing like g-string leather underwear, and 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 the, the women are dressed like.
God, we pray for the people of this church. We pray for the poor and those that are taking care of those are the kids that they're taking care of. God, that they would know that you have placed your word in their mouth. They shall not be dismayed. Thank you, God. For an amazing word. Help us, God, to understand the word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah.